Psalm 34, and I want to look at uh, verse 8. It says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. O taste and see the Lord is good. Amen? We talked a little bit about that last week. It's not about describing how good he is, but it's experiencing him for yourself. We looked at Psalm 23 where it says that you serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head and my cup brims over with the blessings of God. And so Psalm 34 verse 9 says, O fear the Lord, you his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Amen. There's no lack to those that reverence him. Verse 10 says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now what that is saying this, if you will seek a good God, you will get good things. Now you don't seek God for things, but things come along with the package. Amen. The Bible says that no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Well, a person is not walking uprightly if they're not seeking first his kingdom, right? So understand this, this is a matter of priority. But if you seek God with all of your heart, He'll make sure to it that you will not want for any good thing. Did you know that the gospel is good news? And we're going to look at that sometime in the new future. But the gospel is not just the good news of salvation. The gospel is also the good news for those who need healing. The gospel is also good news for those who are broken in heart. And the gospel is also good news for those that are poor. Amen. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Isaiah says, I bring to you good news of good things. Amen. Amen. Is it a good thing to come out of darkness into light? Is it a good thing to get cancer out of your body and walk in divine healing? Is it a good thing to get debt free? Is it a good thing to be able to sow seed wherever God would have you to sow? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And so God is good and he wants to do good things for you and through you your entire life. Notice with me in verse 11, he says, Come you children, hearken unto me. And I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Verse 12. What man is he that desires life and loves many days? Don't you love good days? That he may see good. So God wants us to see good in our life. Not just existing day to day. Not just moving from 9 to 5 to the dinner table and to television and to bed. And become some sort of a robot in life. Now it's time to go to the grocery store. Now it's time to go to the cleaners. Now it's time to pick up the kids. Now those those are all things that we need to be doing, right? And we do as a part of our life. But we are not just to be existing. Jesus didn't come that we would have the redundant life. Jesus came that we would have the abundant life. To the full. Hallelujah. Till it overflows. So then, when you seek God and when you trust Him with your life, you'll be able to enjoy life. Everyone say, I'm enjoying life. Now those are not good days when you can't pay your bills, right? Now notice in verse 13, it says, keep thy tongue from evil. Well, the opposite of, well, another way to say the word evil is bad. 
So he says, now, if you want to see good days, you've got to make sure you keep your tongue out of the arena of corrupt communication, out of the arena of doubt and unbelief, out of the arena of how you feel, out of the arena of how things look. But stay in to the arena of faith and learn to speak the language of your redemption. And if you will keep your tongue from evil or bad and your lips from speaking guile, glory to God, good things will happen to you. Now notice the context of this. If you want to see good, you must speak good. If you want to see good, we must talk good. And I know no better way to talk good than to talk the good word of God. Scriptures like surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, it is true that death and life are really in the power of the tongue. So if we will talk life and talk victory and talk faith and develop in that, God will bring us out of anything that we've been in and he will bring us up. Did you know that your words are important? Mark eleven twenty three. let me just quote it to you. Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, so he's speaking to you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, I think it's very important to realize that Jesus didn't tell us to climb the mountain. He told us to be a mountain mover, not a mountain climber. Amen? We need to to stop trying to tough it out in life. Well, I'm going to climb the highest mountain. I'm going to swim the deepest sea, you know. Just watch out, everybody. I'm just gritting it out. I'm just toughing it out. No, when you believe God, there is a rest in the kingdom of God. And there is a rest in the plan of God. Stop climbing the mountains and tell the mountains where to go. Some of you know how to do that. Some of you have been telling people where to go your whole life. Anyway. But your power, your power is in your believing. And you are a believer. And that's what believers do. Your power is in your believing and it is in your saying. In your believing and in your saying. What you say is a result of what you believe. Or what you say should be a result of what you believe. Don't go just spouting out a bunch of words that you don't believe. Don't deceive your inner man. Speak right. Think right. Talk right, believe right, and everything will be all right. Amen. Amen. Now, let me, let me draw your attention to another verse here. In Mark 11, verse 24, and if you have time, you can, you can put it up there. But in that whole context, he's talking about have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Say this with me. I have, I have a, measure a measure of mountain moving faith. faith. Not mountain climbing faith. Mountain moving faith. Now, in the next verse, he talks about prayer. He says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Anybody ever had any desires? Well, he says, what things soever you desire when you pray. Now, understand this, that your desires have got to be in concert with the word of God. You can't go out there desiring a bunch of stuff that's not in line with the will of God or the plan of God for your life and get it. Amen. So what things soever you desire according to the plan of God or according to the word of God. 
He says, when you pray, do what? When you pray, believe. When is when you pray? Well, it's present tense. Whenever you're praying, it's present tense. So what things, whoever you desire, when you pray, believe. Believe what? Believe that you receive them. And you shall have them. You see, your part is to believe you receive them. His part is to see to it that you shall have them. Now, here's where a lot of Christians miss it. They have gigantic desires. And the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen. But they have these gigantic desires and they're in line with the word of God, in line with the plan of God. But instead of when they pray, believe, when they pray, they stop and try to figure out how they're going to pay for it. Notice it doesn't say when you pray, rationalize and try to figure out how you're going to pay for it. How many of you know that many of the things that we're going after in faith in the natural realm are impossible? That's why he said all things are possible to him that believeth. Why? Because we serve a God with whom there are no impossibilities. But to your mind and to your flesh, it may look impossible. So he says, now don't try to figure out how you're going to pay for it or how it's going to come to pass. Simply believe. I believe. Go like this. I believe that I receive. And I thank you for it. Real Bible faith is not of the head. Real Bible faith is of the heart. It is with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And it is with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This connection between the heart and the mouth is a God thing. And it is a good thing. Now there are some things that are beyond your mind. But don't be moved by that. Don't be moved just because you can't get a hold of it up here. Faith is not in the head. Faith is in the heart. And faith in the heart will trump doubt in the head. Amen. It might be beyond your mind, but it is not beyond your ability to believe. You are a believer. And you can believe. Now, for example, way back in 1984, uh, when Brenda and I came... And uh, became the pastors of East Bay Faith Center. We were over there on Fargo Avenue. Pastor Nancy remembers that. Other people will remember that. We were subleasing from Redwood Christian High School. And we had a nice place to meet. We had to set up and tear down. We were happy little campers. The church was growing. The Spirit of God was moving. We were having some awesome times. But we knew that it wasn't the plan of God for us to set up and tear down for the rest of our lives. We needed a place we could lease where we could set everything up. We could have our offices there and we could start having some good chotch. (laughs) Well, I heard that Marina High School had closed and Marina High School was available for lease. Well, if you are familiar with Marina High School, you know it was thousands and thousands of square foot on about 40 acres of land over there in San Leandro on Marina Boulevard. So I remember, okay, do you want to come look at it? Yes, I'll come look at it. So I had a friend go look at it for me. I walked in that huge gymnasium and I looked around and I said, this is too big for us and walked right out. Why? My mind couldn't get a hold of it. I couldn't receive it because I couldn't believe it. And the thing that was, was blocking my believer was in my brain, my mind. Come on now. And so the Spirit of the Lord, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. He will get your attention. And He will tell it just like it is for you. Basically, the Spirit of the Lord, over a process of a month or so, says it might be too big for you, but it's not too big for me. 
Now I want you to come up and start believing and start confessing and start seeing your church and your ministry in that gymnasium, leasing all of that space around it. I said, yes, Lord. And so the Spirit of God began to work with me. How many of you know that God's able, God's willing to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, but it is in direct proportion to the power or to the faith that's working in you. If your faith is not at that level, God can be able and willing all day long, but you won't receive it because God requires faith. Oh, if I could get that over to people. I said, God requires faith. And so we got in faith and we believe we received and we got in faith and we got our confession right. I'll tell you what, it wasn't but months later, we walked into that church and we started having church. Didn't have to set up, didn't have to tear down, had classrooms, had plenty of space from 1984 to 1989. Glory to God! And it was during that time that the church really started growing by leaps and bounds. And so don't be moved by the fact that you may not be able to get a hold of it up here. Get a hold of it down here. Let this word dwell in you richly. Let the word of God paint a picture of your victory and your triumph in Christ to where you can start seeing yourself healed, seeing yourself sowing seed, seeing your body strong, seeing your marriage strong, seeing it. Hallelujah. And then you can seize it. This word is no respecter of persons. The word will work for whosoever will believe. The word of God will work for whosoever will believe. Whosoever shall say. Whosoever shall stand on the covenant of a covenant keeping God. Come on somebody. If we are not believing the unbelievable or the impossible. We're not really believing at all. God will not and God cannot give you what you cannot receive. Now, verse 14 of Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 14 says, Depart from evil or bad, and do good. Seek peace, not arguing and fussing and fighting. Be a peacemaker. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon who? They're upon the righteous. Are his eyes upon you? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. When you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, hallelujah, that his eyes are upon you. Verse 16, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, amen, the righteous cry and the Lord hears. And not only does the Lord hear, but he delivers. He delivers the righteous who cry out of all their troubles. I believe this, that we can expect to win and we can come out of trouble every time. And why is that? Because God is good. What kind of trouble are you facing? Cry out to the Lord with the cry of faith. He is good to save. He is good to heal. He is good to deliver. He is good to supply. Everyone say it with me. For the Lord is good. All the time. The Lord is good. The Lord is good to me. Now, you cannot be afraid to acknowledge the goodness of God that happens in your life. Don't you dare hide your blessing. You know, a lot of people are intimidated by being blessed and, you know, they hide their blessing. No, the Bible says that we ought to testify of the goodness of God. That we ought to be acknowledging every good thing which is in us in Christ Jesus. The Lord does good to you. You need to tell it. 
not out of pride or, you know, not out of look at me. No, we want to show people how good God is. Because when we show people how good God is, then they will come oftentimes to a place of repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads men and women to repentance. Amen. And that's another message. Now, let's look at the definition of the word good. Everyone say good. The word good from from the Hebrew and from the Greek simply means this. Pleasant, beautiful, excellent, rich, prosperous. Well, appropriate. It also means beneficial, happy, honest, honorable, and right. When we are saying God is good, we are saying that God is beautiful. That He is excellent. That God is rich. That God is prosperous. That God always does those things which are appropriate. That God is a benefactor. That he is honest and that God always does what is right. When we say that God is good, we're saying God is happy. You know, he's very big into happy. Is God happy? He's not weak. He's not sad. The Bible says of Jesus that he was anointed, glory to God, with the oil of gladness above all of his fellows. He's our hero. He is happy. Good is a God word. And you will see the word good if you look for it in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You'll see the word good several times in the first two chapters of the book of Genesis. So let's look back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1 it says, in the beginning God who is good, God who is good, Created the heaven and the earth. And by the way, the heaven and the earth was good in its original form. Amen. Heaven and the earth did not have bug infested tomatoes. In its original form. Cancer did not exist in the earth in its original form. Okay. We'll go back to that in a few moments. Read verse 2 with me, if you would. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, I want you to read verse 3 with me. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then in verse 4, and God saw the light that it was what? He saw the light. And he said it was good. When God says something is, is good because God is good, you know it's good. You think about all the benefits of light today. We're sitting in a room that's lit up by electricity. Some of the major treatments for people today are laser based upon light. Some psychologists and psychiatrists do what they call light therapy. Why? Because the source is from God. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. The sun, hallelujah, is lit up because God said, let there be light. Amen. Now let this get down into your spirit this morning. And you'll get insight into the insides of God. Not just what he has done. 
but who God is. He is light. He is real. He is knowable. Hallelujah. He has personality. If we were to just take one phrase to describe our Heavenly Father, it would be this. He is completely and perfectly good. He said, let there be light. Step back said, man, that's good. Now look at verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, verse 10. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called the seas. And God saw that it was? God saw that it was what? He looked at Maui and said, ooh, that's good. He looked at Samoa and said, that's good. He looked at California and said, oh, mucho, mucho good. He looked at Mount Everest and said, oh, that is, that is good. That is, that is good. Good is a God word. It's one of his favorite words because it describes who he is. He looked at perfection. He looked at the the weather and the ecosystem. It was good. Did you know that it didn't really rain back there? There there was a mist that would come. It was never never rainy like it was in Fremont and Union City where there was a, a deluge. Or if you've ever been in Hawaii or someplace where it just decided to rain big. No, there's just a mist that came from heaven. And it just took care of everything that needed to be taken care of. He said, it is good. Now, millions of people, millions of people, millions of Christians think and believe that God is responsible for hurricanes. And that God is responsible for earthquakes. I couldn't believe the, the, during that, that hurricane that happened in New Orleans. What was the name of that one? Katrina. I couldn't believe that. A lot of Christians started blogging and saying that's the judgment of God. Listen. God and the devil have not swapped jobs. And I got another news flash for you. If they have, we're in big trouble. <laughs> Is that right? No, it's the thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Are hurricanes good? How about tornadoes? How about earthquakes? Are those good? I can remember being in Branson, Missouri with Pastor Hagen and Miss Lynette and Brenda. Going to bed, 1 a.m. in the morning. Sound like a choo-choo train, a big train coming through the condominium. It was a tornado. Pastor Hagen woke up and said, Mark, it's a tornado. (laughs) They don't call them tornadoes down there. They call them tornadoes. They don't call them hurricanes. They call them hurricanes for some reason. And so it was a huge tornado. And the next morning we got up and we toured the city. There was devastation in, on, in, in par- bigger in certain parts of the city. But we couldn't look at office buildings that were blown away. The Hilton that suffered great damage. We couldn't say that was good. I can remember 1989 at home getting ready to watch the World Series. Oakland A's versus San Francisco Giants. I believe it was on a Thursday night at 5.04 p.m. 
we had a huge earthquake. And the earthquake shook. How many of you remember that earthquake? Now the next morning and that night when you watched the television and all the devastation that took place, could you look at somebody and say, man, that was God and that sure was good? No, it wasn't God. And it wasn't good. Because it came to steal and to kill and destroy. And I buried one person that was in that freeway. That wasn't God. That wasn't good. Don't be deceived by religion. Don't be deceived by by what people teach and what people think. Go to the Word of God for yourself. See, religion will tell you that those things are acts of God. If they're acts of God, they're acts of good. Anyone with one eye and half sense would know that that is not God. What that is doing is that is altering the Word to fit what you think. Recently I read a book and the foreword of the book was talking about that this minister was talking to a friend who studied foods and, and different things like that. He was very interested in the area. And he looked at his friend and said, you know, he said, some of the food that you're eating has been genetically altered. Why? Because they're trying to improve it. You may have heard, he said, about genetically altered produce in the news. And then he looked at his friends. He said, did you know that sometimes that happens in Scripture? That we have taken what is true and distorted it and produced something different from its original form. Figuratively speaking, religion, man's ideas, has genetically altered the Bible. God is not an opinion. You see, some people don't want God to be a reality in their lives. They want Him to be an opinion. But God is not an opinion. He's a living reality. See, everybody wants their ideas and their doctrinal creed to be what they want. So they alter the message. And if you ask them, what did God say? They'll say things like, well, this is what I think. And this is what I believe. As if you're higher than the creator of the universe. As if your opinion really matters? My opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion really doesn't matter about this book. It's what thus saith the Lord says. It's what the King has said. And that, and that only is final authority. Not our denomination. Not the little books that we read. Come on, somebody. I mean, in life, we do not want commentary. We want Christ. See, what is actually written in the scriptures is more important than someone's commentary about the scriptures. If I live on commentary, I'm going to live according to someone else's ideas. And if those ideas are not based on the truth, they're lies. And there's by the millions of Christians deceived by religion. Oh, they're on their way to heaven. Yes, they're good people. Yes, they're wonderful people. But they bought into a lie. They bought into a lie. But I've discovered that it's the truth that will set us free. All right, Genesis 1.11. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, who seeded itself upon the earth, and it was so... And how many of you know fruit is good? 
Verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was? Amen. No bug infested tomatoes, right? Hallelujah. Notice in verse 17, 18. And 18. And God sent the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. He looked at the sun. He looked at the moon. He looked at the stars. And he said, that's good. Verse 21, the whales and every winged fall after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 25, he made the beast of the earth after his kind, the cattle after their kind, and everything that creeps upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was what? How many of you know cattle's good? Cattle of a thousand hills are his. I might just eat some cattle later. (laughs) Amen. God didn't put the prime rib in the earth for the devil and his bunch. He put it in there for us. Now notice verse 26. I just want you to see over and over again in the Bible the word good. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Did you know your good God made you so he made you good? He doesn't make no junk. And this says, let them have dominion and so on. And then down in verse 31, I want you to read with me. And God saw... Everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now let's just think about that. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Man in his original form was not made to die. Did you know that? Man in his original form was not made to carry cancer. Can you look? Can, can we really look at starvation and say, man, that's good? You see these kids that are, are full of disease. Can we say that's good? If we can't say it's good, we have to say it's not His will. Amen. And you who have the good news can get people out of those situations. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. He keeps going. Genesis, the second chapter, the eighth verse. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Genesis 2, 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in, the Eden, in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. How many of you know that gardens are good? Man, aren't gardens good? I can remember going down to Pawnee, Oklahoma, John Edwards, her dad, has been with the Lord for many years, had these great, big, huge gardens on the farm. And so we'd go out in the garden, we'd pick tomatoes, and we'd pick potatoes, and we'd pick okra. We'd pick all that food fresh. Sit down at the table and say, mm, mm, good. Well, where'd that come from? It came from God. Amen. Whether you realize it or not, okra is a gift from God. 
Now, maybe fried green tomatoes have been slightly tainted by the curse, but I believe they're still good. You know, I grew up in the north. I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It was meat, and it was potatoes, and it was salad. I hardly knew what a vegetable looked like, but when I met Brenda, man, I am telling you, we were both working for Kenneth Hagin Ministries at that time. I'd come home for dinner, and she'd have a six-course meal right on the table for me. And I'd look at her and say, who's coming to dinner? She says, I made it for you, honey. And that sweet little Oklahoma voice. I made it for you. You did? Yes. Yeah. But I never heard what a black-eyed pea was. Never heard of that. But, man, I have been enlightened. But gardens are good. There's, there's good food that comes from the earth. You know, in spite of and despite of what some tribulation people say, we're not going to run out. Don't buy in to going out and buying a three-gallon thing of seed and soybeans that will last you two years during the tribulation. I got news for you. As long as my God is on the throne, there's going to be good things for you and me to eat. Amen. Now, notice with me in, in uh, verse 9, and out of the ground uh, made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. How many of you know you can't have real love unless the person has a choice? Verse 10, And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads, and the first name was Pison which encompasses the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Now, I want to stop right there. Where there's what? Gold. Hmm. Now, did gold come from the curse? No, this is before the curse. God made the gold. Now, notice verse 11. I want you to, or verse 12. I want you to read this and get this strong in your heart. Read, ready, read. And the gold of that land... Look at your neighbor and say, gold is good. Gold is from God. And gold is good. Now, a lot of gold diggers have turned gold into bad, but the gold was never bad. The diggers were bad. A lot of people have killed and fought small wars over gold, but it wasn't the gold that was bad. It was men's heart that were wrong. Verse 12. See, God made it. And the gold of that land is good, and there is bedlam and onyx stone. Money is not evil, but the love of it it is. See, here's the bottom line. Having a lot of gold in the right hands is good. Good people can do a lot of good with gold. Well, I, I just need a, just a, a little for us for no more. You're selfish. People think they're being humble, but really what they're doing is they're shortchanging other people. Okay, take that car, take that home, receive what you need, but don't stop believing. Believe for much, much more so that God can minister that through you. 
Well, I'm happy with the car I got. Why don't you believe God for a new one? And sow the car you have, or better yet, even sow the new one. Amen. Gold is good. It helps pays for souls. Yeah, the blood of Jesus paid for it. Yeah, I know. The message is free, but the pipeline isn't. Missionaries out on the field have to come home and take a furlough off the field and go to these little churches, these little Jesus-don't-forget-me churches who don't know how to give anything and show their slide presentation of what God is doing in Africa and get an offering for $50. Not this church. But there are a lot of people that could do a lot more good with a lot more money. And I, for one, I'm believing God. I said, I'm believing God. I'm believing God to get this baby paid off so that we can even do gooder and do more. We're doing good, but we're going to do better. Come on, somebody. So what does gold do? Gold enables you to purchase goods. To purchase goods. When Brenda and I go to the airport on Thursday night, October 3rd, in SFO... We better have a ticket. And that ticket better be paid for. We can't walk up to the place and say, we're going to Lima and God supplies all of our needs and the Lord is our shepherd and you're the answer to our problem. They might go call the police. (laughs) Who is that nut? Amen. You see, there are people... In the body of Christ, they say, oh man, they see a project, they see something happening, they say, man, I wish I could do more. I wish I could do more. And yet, a lot of times those same people don't believe in prosperity, but they wish they could do more. With what? You've got to receive to be able to give. I'm talking about in the material realm. In Deuteronomy 28, 11, the Bible says, And the Lord God will make thee plenteous in what? Okay, we got to, let's pull it up. Deuteronomy 28, we're finished. Don't get nervous, we're almost done. Deuteronomy 28, notice with me now. In verse 11, this is a key point. Deuteronomy 28, chapter 28. Verse 11. All right. Good job. No, seriously, I appreciate them. You know, I move so quick sometimes. It's, they got to keep up. And they're doing great. So give them a hand. Yeah. Now notice this. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous. Notice he didn't say in bads. Goods are not bad. Goods are good because they come from God. Gold is good. He's given you the power to get it that you may be a covenant spreader through the whole earth. Let's stand up, everybody. Amen. Glory.